So tonight we're still in 2 Timothy chapter 2, to no one's surprise. And uh, we're going to be looking uh, at this at these aspects. Do you need a handout by chance? So if you... There you go. Appreciate it. So um, we've been talking about training in ministry and fighting to the finish and how... Uh, you know, Paul is preparing his disciple Timothy uh, to, uh, you know, move in faith and not fear. And God hasn't given him the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And so we're in chapter 2, and uh, we've already covered this uh, uh, journey from fear to uh, fruitful, uh, fruitfulness. Uh, it's found in identification with Christ, starting as a son of God. We build upon our identity as a steward, and then a soldier, and then an athlete, then a husbandman, uh, then a teacher, uh, and a, a vessel of honor, and a servant. And I left out student, but a student's there as well. So um, we're not quite down to, to servant yet. We've talked about our identification as a faithful son, a steward, a soldier, an athlete, a husbandman, a teacher. Um, and uh, we are now... Uh, working on this uh, this purity of a vessel of honor, and we saw that purity before purity comes security in Second Timothy chapter two nineteen through twenty three. So let's just look at that text, and uh, and we'll uh, continue on. Uh, I said nineteen through twenty three, so there is no nineteen through twenty three. Uh, nineteen through sixteen, is that right? Second Timothy two. My my note is messed up, so. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm in the wrong. I'm like First Timothy going, what in the world? Okay, there we go. Now I'm making sense. All right, so verse 19 through 23. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having the seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are, also, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but of, uh, also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself of these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Flee also youthful lusts, but follow after righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But foolish and unlearned questions uh, avoid, knowing that they do gender strives. Heavenly Father, uh, uh, we just thank you for your word, and we thank you for giving us discernment on what is a foolish and unlearned question and and what is not. And we uh, pray, God, that you just help us um, be peaceable to all men. And, uh, Lord, we continue to thank you and praise you for uh, how you develop us uh, from uh, a child, Lord, to a mature Christian through the work of discipleship. I pray a blessing on the reading and the hearing of your word tonight as we continue to learn and as we go to prayer. We just ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, as we talk about bearing fruit, and uh, Paul moves from that farmer to the teacher to the student, he's now, uh, again, likening us to vessels. I really like that analogy because, it, you know, we need to be filled with the Spirit and, and poured out, filled with the Word. And, uh, and, you know, when you think about a vessel, uh, we've talked about this before, you can either be a plastic vessel or, you know, a, a, a plastic cup, or you can be a, a silver cup, right? You want to be a fork that breaks when you put it into the food, or you want to be a sterling silver, right? And so we want to be vessels unto honor, and uh, and so it's my prayer that, that uh, we continue to, to do that as we look at purity of vessels uh, of honor. We saw uh, before purity comes security. Before purity comes security, in verse 19, we saw that the foundation of God standeth sure, 
Right? And so having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. Let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. So Jesus is the surety of our salvation. Uh, Jesus is the seal of our salvation. These are things that we've already covered. Uh, The Lord knoweth them that are his. He knoweth um, uh, those that have his DNA, right? Better than ancestry. Jesus owns the title deed to our soul. And uh, and because of that, we're sealed. uh, And we experience the power of Christ's salvation. And so we saw that a pure vessel uh, of honor, purity of a vessel of honor, before purity comes security. And then we saw that uh, security ensures diversity. And diversity is a big buzzword today in our culture. Uh, But he says in verse 20, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and of earth. And so despite the title work on the household of faith done by Jesus, we as individuals determine our function within the household of faith. So Jesus is the owner because he purchased us with his own blood, according to Acts 20, 28. And he promised to build his church. I just quoted that this morning, Matthew 16, 18. He's fitly framed us and joined us according to Ephesians 2, 21, Ephesians 4, 16. This morning we saw our new members come in. And that's all about uh, fitly joining, fitly framing the body. The Holy Ghost is focusing on the quality of the individual because households uh, households its value despite uh, what you do uh, with your uh, salvation so uh, the Holy Ghost is, is focusing I'm sorry on the quality of the individual because uh, because households its value despite what you do with your salvation so Paul is not focused on the perfection or completion of the building he's focused on the perfection of his son and the Lord Timothy so we saw last week that security ensures diversity because of the nature of humanity. So security ensures diversity because of the nature of humanity. So we that's a little bit uh, maybe hard to comprehend, but we talked about last week how God creates man with a free will, and it's clear that from the time of Adam before the fall, that Adam was able to flee temptation uh, or follow his wife's inclination, which, he, of course, he chose his wife's inclination. He is responsible. I should have brought that up this morning when I talked about leadership. And after the fall, Cain could have obeyed God, but he chose not to obey God. And, uh, and, of course, uh, that affected Abel as he slew his brother. And uh, he could have went and, and uh, been okay with God protecting the, uh, taking the flock and uh, sacrificing the right sacrifice, and everything would have been fine. So he has that free will. Uh, Lot could have chose the fertile plains of Sodom, but he did, uh, and he did choose the fertile plains of Sodom, but he could have chose uh, to follow God like Abraham, his uh, uncle. And so God gives us free will. And so security ensures diversity because of the nature of humanity. Um, uh, and so we have opportunities to make different decisions. You can, you can be esteemed as precious metal. Gold, silver vessels uh, have been purged through the fire. Um, so that's where you say fire is bad. Well, it's, it's good, I guess, in that sense because it purges off the dross. And we talked about that. Uh, we talked about Candomal and all of those things last week, um, and so uh, we got down to the third point. You can be you can be esteemed as as paltry metals as well, um, uh, and the, also the wood, the earth, and vessels uh, that are found in the temple. Uh, all of those that were of value were plated in gold. Uh, and used in worship in that way. So, um, so before purity comes security. Security ensures diversity. Um, and so that's where we left off. So, uh, point C. Here we go. Uh, we're getting into new territory. Being a pure vessel of honor is our prerogative. It's our prerogative. So when you get to verse 21, Paul says, If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified in meat for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. All right, so purity 
uh, is important. And being a pure vessel of honor is our prerogative. We get to choose. So we've got to build carefully. We've got to build carefully. 1 Corinthians 3.11 says, For other foundation can no man lay uh, than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And so here is our security. Right? Uh, so that's what he says. I mean, our foundation, just like Paul says to Timothy, it is secure, it is sure. Uh, he goes on in verse 12 and he says, Now, if any man build on this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, right? There's our diversity. You get to decide what you build on that foundation. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it. I touched on that this morning, uh, but I didn't get into all the verses for time's sake. Because it is revealed by fire, and fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. Uh, And that will reveal our priority, which is why we need to take advantage of the prerogative of being a vessel of honor. So you can, we can, I can be a vessel of honor, or I can be a vessel of dishonor. It is absolutely within my uh, fruition uh, to do that. I get to make that decision. Because it's my prerogative. God gives us that ability. So it is our responsibility to do that. So we take the advice of Paul in verse 21, and we we should purge, we should take advantage of that and purge impurity. False teachers and their heresies need to be purged from the menu of our mind. And there are more and more of those as the days grow darker. So if any man, what, purge himself from these, um, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. And so, um, and so we need to have that security, but we also need to have the surety of the Word of God. So false information will lead to false actions. And any lie that doesn't line up with the truth of God's Word needs to go in the fire so it can come forth um, in th- uh, thinking and acting like Christ. And that's what uh, helped. That would have helped Eve tremendously, right, if she would have checked her thoughts um, with the, the Word of God, uh, which was simple, right? It's chapter 2, verses 17 of Genesis. Um, and so if we just believe what God's Word says, we would often obey it. And so prepare uh, for God's use. Purge the impurity and prepare for God's use. The reason There's a reason Paul will continue to write in 2 Timothy uh, 3, uh, 16 through 17. Look over there with me real quick. He says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good work. So the Scripture is profitable for the man of God to prepare to be used by God. So we are to be thoroughly furnished, or let me write, yeah, thoroughly furnished, I should say, rather, unto all good works, because Paul understood God wants to work with pure vessels, not paltry vessels. He wants to use the cups. Now, he'll use every cup, right? Um, we got We got those little Dixie cups and... You know what I do with those at home? Uh, I don't use them often for drinking. I use them when we have grease that settles in a pan. I put uh, napkins in it and ice, and I pour it in there because I'm going to throw them away. I don't go to the I don't go to the the the, uh, the cabinet and say, "Hmm, let me get this nice glass that I like to drink out of my iced tea glass and pour the hot grease in there and then throw that in the trash." Why? Because the vessel to me is too important for that. I use it to drink water out of. It's a, it's a I have a different use for that vessel. So I have vessels that I I have no problem throwing in the trash those little dixie cup things actually they're pretty expensive now so you might need to start washing those things but anyway uh but uh used to be you know those little those little red cups or whatever blue cups the plastic cups you just throw them in the trash they don't last 
very long. You crack the top and then it's over. You know, they're made to throw away. They're, they're disposable. Uh, but there's other vessels that I'm like, you know what? Um, I want to keep that vessel. We had a, when we first got married, we had all these glasses that were given to us. They were my favorite glasses. And one by one, as they got older, they started breaking. I was like, oh. And then we graduated the next box that was, you know, 15 years old and so on and so forth. And, uh, and so, uh, it took us a long time. We're still using our dishes from our, our wedding, uh, uh, our wedding from 34 years ago. So, uh, and so I like them. I was just, we got these nice new dishes at, at home and, uh, they're underneath the old dishes. We use the old dishes, the little thin plates. We like them. They're the, we like that old, what's that corn, corn, what was that called? Corel, yeah, we like that old Corel dishes. It's just simple, thin, pull it out. And I got these nice, new, fancy, thick things. They're hard to handle. I just give me the give me the old old dishes that we had from when we were first married. I like them. I'm used to them, but they're vessels to us. They're vessels that are useful. And uh, you know what? The master uses the vessel that he wants to use, and the ones that are functional. We can we have some uh, say in how usable we are, right? Um, and uh, and so keep yourself clean because that's a vessel that God wants to use. He wants to eat off. I don't like eating off a dirty dish, you know, uh, not me. And so, by the way, when you think, I'm getting kind of off on a tangent here, but when you think about that, it is interesting. Even dishes, right? There's some that you want to rewash and th- some you throw away because they're made out of wood. What do you do? You destroy them. That's what paper is. Paper dishes are not made to be reused. There's, God gets the use out of them and psh, throws them away. But we are made to, we're built on the foundation of Christ. God needs us cleaned up so He can continue to use us over and over again. He wants to use us for His honor and glory. And so we need to prepare for God's use. Um, and so the first, mention, the, the first mission trip to London, uh, years ago, Brian Clark took us to the Tower of London and showed us the crown jewels. Has anyone ever seen the crown jewels up close? If you haven't, I highly recommend if you get to London to check that out. Uh, these are the jewels that are worn uh, to this day by the royal family. And they're on display and they're set apart and they're guarded because they're precious and they're pure and designed only to be used by royalty. Now here in the States, we don't value royalty and I'm glad we don't. We don't make a big to-do about it. Uh, however, I will tell you, there was something that kind of uh, impressive in the flesh, I guess. When you walk in and you see the scepter... And you see the crown jewels, and you know there's royalty. Now, I know, I know there are a bunch of robber barons and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, it kind of reminds me of what it is like when we get to heaven. I mean, God's royalty is majestic. It is authority. Uh, it is glorious. You know, uh, it's pretty cool. So, so uh, while I wouldn't give you a plug nickel for the British crown, uh, I would remind you that we are to be a royal priesthood. We are to be a royal priesthood. If you look at First Peter, did I leave that in your notes? First Peter two. Okay, so I got First Peter two. My notes don't have that. So First uh, Peter two nine says, "But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, not just because you live in Cass County, that ye should show forth uh, praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness into His marvelous light." Right, we sing that song, Into Marvelous Light I'm Running. Verse 10, uh, which in time past were not people, but now are now the people of God, which had not uh, obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you, as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall, which, uh, they shall behold, glorify God, in the day of visitation. 
And so uh, the, it goes on in First Peter one sixteen. It says, "Because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy." And uh, you know, when you think of holiness, we just sang that, sang that song this morning. Holy, holy, holy. They added, we added another holy in there. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. That's why we sing holy, holy, holy. All three um, uh, aspects of the Godhead. So in the Old Testament, priests had a responsibility to be holy. Uh, and in the New Testament, it's our privilege to, to make the choice to serve God in holiness. We are holy. Why? Because He is holy. We have the Holy Ghost in us. We are set apart for God's use in His glory. So that's why we need to get under the flesh and push it because it's it's who we are. We are holy. Whether you think you're holy, whether you feel... I don't feel holy a lot. I don't I don't think I'm, I don't walk around. You know, it's a, it's even an insult to us. It's a byword in our culture. He is holier than thou. We take that as an insult, but in reality, we ought to be holy because he's holy. Now, that's meant to saying that we're uh, what's the word uh, self righteous. It's always indicating that we're self righteous, but in a in a sense, it's almost like we shy away from being holy. It's okay to be holy. It's okay to be set apart for God's use. We got to be all things to all men that by all means we may save some. So the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the priests uh, had that responsibility to be holy. That was an outward, obviously, uh, uh, effort. We have the inward effort, right? We've got to keep ourselves pure. And that's why we renew our mind. That's why we think on these things. Uh, that's what First Corinthians or Romans chapter 12 is all about. And so point D, and we'll be finished here, uh, being a pure vessel of honor should be our priority, right? It should be our priority. 2 Timothy 2, 22-23. Uh, the Bible is very clear here. It says, um, Flee also youthful lusts, but follow after righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strives. And so, uh, or strifes. So we demonstrate the, 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 the priority of purity by fleeing youthful lusts. Um, and we all know what youthful lusts are because we were young. So remember the example of Joseph when he faced uh, the temptation of Potiphar's wife, right? His his best fight was what? It was flight. Yeah, it was good. It was leaving, right? Running away. Uh, that was a good. That was a good strategy. Flee youthful lusts. He says. I think uh, Paul may have had Joseph on his mind, right? He ran out of there. Uh, and uh, it didn't matter, right, what Potiphar's wife said. He was out. He was gone. He fled youthful lusts. Don't, right, don't stand. What is that in Proverbs or uh, Psalms? Standing in the way of sinners, sitting in the seat of the scornful. We don't want to do that, right? We want to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water to bring uh, forth the fruit in due season. So we got to flee youthful lusts. And, uh, and so be intentional to, set, to lay aside the things that drag you down into the dirt. Now, if we got real honest right now, I mean, I could, we could, and I wouldn't, I don't want to do this in public with any of us, but, uh, um, but between us and the Lord, all of us could go, this drags me down in the dirt, this drags me down in the dirt, this drags me down in the dirt, whatever it is. And you know what? Those are things that the Bible gives us instructions on how to deal with. So we can walk out of here tonight with some practical application in Hebrews 12.1. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. So what's he saying? First of all, set your affection on things above. Set your attention, at least, on things above, if not your affection. 
right? So Colossians says, set your affection. The Hebrews 12 is at least set your attention on things above. Pay attention. There is a great cloud of witnesses, right? We're coming up. I get to teach church history uh, this coming year, and I'm excited about that. It always reminds me of this. There's a great cloud of witnesses. You are carrying on something that is way out of your pay grade. And you know, yeah, you don't feel worthy, but you know what? It doesn't matter. God has made us worthy. We're holy because He's holy. We're in service because He put us in service. Our confidence is not in ourselves; it is in Christ. Right? That's a proper uh, that's a proper framework theologically, so that we can function practically. And so He says, "Wherefore, seeing we're also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, those that have gone before us, let us lay aside every weight." And the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And really, what God is saying here, uh, in, uh, through the author of Hebrews, which I believe is Paul, is that we we need to we need to really uh, focus on uh, not ourselves, but the cost of others ahead of us, because we'll often do things for others we won't do for ourselves. We won't clean up for our sake, but when we think about the generations to come, we might clean up for them. How many times someone has a child, and all of a sudden? Their whole value system shifts because now they're willing to do something for someone else that they were never willing to do for themselves. And so, um, and so there's a lot of reality in that. And really, that's what's going on in Hebrews. You know what? Look, look out and understand that there are people who did something for you. There's a great cloud of witnesses. Lay aside all the, the weight and the sin. There's people that have been where you're at and they've been successful. Isn't it encouraging to be with winners? I remember when I was in high school, our football team was not known for several, you know, for a decade or so as winners. And uh, we had this football coach come. He was an alumni of our school. And he brought with it. It's like a great a cloud of witnesses, right? He, for me, you know, he was he'd been out of school for 10 or 15 years, so he was ancient because I was a teenager, you know. So uh, as far as I was concerned, this guy was old as dirt. And he walks on, and, and, uh, and he's a former MU football player, tackle, and uh and he had a big booming voice starting the guy that he broke his femur in college at MU and his replacement went on and played in the NFL so he's quite a quite a good player and when he walked on the field you know what you he tended to believe him he spoke with authority he had a track record and you know what it just so happens the last time we had a winning team he was on it all right and so this dude jumps up there and he's talking and he doesn't just talk he's talking he's yelling he's screaming he's telling you about it and you do what he tells you to do. When he tells you to do it, how he tells you to do it. And if you didn't, everybody was going to know about it. And you know what he did? The, the thing I remember the most is he got more out of you than you knew you had. And he also expected us to win. Like when he showed up, he expected us to win. He set the expectation. He says, here it is. And, and, he, and, and in, that, in that expectation, what he was saying is, I believe in you. I believe you can do this. And uh, you know what? That instilled in us uh, an ability to do things that we probably wouldn't normally do. It inspired us. God says, hey, you know what? You need to look at what has happened in the past. Look at these people that have withstood in very difficult circumstances, that have set aside everything and stayed focused, laser-focused on things above. And man, consider them. And you know what will happen is it will inspire you to do the same thing. As I was up here preaching this morning, as a matter of fact, I had an inspirational moment, so to speak. As I'm talking about uh, some of the things that that, uh, that uh, sacrifice uh, are required, I look out here and I see Pastor Rajan, and, and most of the people in our congregation don't realize that that man has lost more than we... When I was talking about it, I do it for milk. I almost got choked up because I looked at Pastor Rajan. There was a time where Pastor Rajan, 
he couldn't feed his kids because he trusted Christ as Lord and Savior. Uh, and so his kids had to go to an orphanage. And little did I know that in 2008, when I showed up to India the first time and then went off to Nepal to meet Pastor Rajan, I had no idea that his kids were at that time in an orphanage. I remember meeting his wife and seeing him, and I remember her countenance, and I remember going in his little house. We broke his furniture. We sat on it and broke it, you know, and there's this little apartment, and he had just gotten a motorbike. Uh, Pastor Carl Silva got him a motorbike. Uh, the, the church was a house on one, at that time. It wasn't a big old thing. It was, it, his whole church could fit on this platform. It's actually smaller than the platform. Uh, and... And I look back on that, and I, many years later, like just five years ago maybe, I read an article, and I pieced together the timeline, and I remember Indu's face, and I remember the soberness on her face, almost like I was worried. I was like, I'm not sure this lady's up for ministry, coming at it from an American's perspective. Little did I know the heartache that woman was going through. She didn't even have her children with her because they were too poor to take care of them. They had to go to an orphanage because he was a Christian. And, of course, they got him back. Uh, because the, he became a pastor, got support through Greater Grace, and they were able to get their children back. He never has told me that story. I've only read about it. All I know about Pastor... If I did, if the only thing I would know about Pastor Rogan, if it wasn't for that paper or that article I read from Greater Grace, is what I know of him being a faithful man of God from the first day I've met him. I had no idea underneath all of that, the great sacrifice that he has gone through. He doesn't talk about it. He doesn't, in his testimony, he'll share some things in his testimony. That part of his testimony, I think, is so tender, I've never heard it in his testimony. And man, when I, and he may even be ashamed of it, I don't know, probably is in their culture, that's probably, you know, a bad thing. But, man, I tell you guys, when I think about people that are witnesses, I I feel blessed to know Men like Pradeep Lima, men like Pastor Rajan. I mean, I'm like, man, Lord, I don't even have to wait to get to heaven. (laughs) I mean, I'm inspired by some of the people I get to rub elbows with. It's unbelievable the privilege that we have uh, to know some of these saints that God has acquainted us with. Uh, I'm just just telling you guys, man, it it is impressive to see some pure vessels that prioritize the Lord. And it inspires me. To want to lay aside every weight and ascend to this so easily beset me, so that I can run with patience the race that's set before me. And if that doesn't, if that doesn't ring your bell, I don't know what does. And when you read Fox's Book of Martyrs or uh, the, the 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 Martyrs Mirror or whatever uh, you know you want to read about church history, you're going to see story after story after story after story of that same type of faith. Uh, and man, it's it's it fires you up to want to be a pure vessel. It makes it want to be our priority. To set aside all the stuff in this world, all the way, all of a sudden the sin that does so easily beset us, it's like, what is that? I don't need that. I want this. I want something that's pure, something that is good, something that is honest, something that is true. Man, let's set aside all that foolishness and follow Jesus. So we demonstrate the priority of purity by following after the Spirit. You know, it's immature to amass weight uh, that we cannot bear. Did you know that? It takes maturity to know what you can bear. Uh, Taking on responsibilities uh, that we will not trust God for is foolish. It's immature. And we allow sin in and and it besets us. Wisdom and maturity prioritizes purity so one is free to follow Christ wherever he may lead. That means you can't take everything with you. You can't do everything you want to do. You've got to decide where you're going and what you're doing. Uh, And so 
We demonstrate the, the priority of purity by following after the Spirit. And so we're almost done. So going back to 2 Timothy 2.19, And those who follow the Lord out of a pure heart, Paul lists what it looks like. Follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, within the call upon the name of the Lord out of a pure heart. Notice the, the call is to follow them who fellowship with God faithfully. Follow them who fellowship with God charitably. Follow them who fellowship with God peaceably. And follow them that fellowship with God with a pure heart, pure-heartedly, if that's proper English. That's who we follow. Uh, faith uh, and faithful folks is what we need to be following, right? Uh, having faith in faithful folks, right, that follow Christ. Forsake the foolish and live. You know, if you're following foolish people, get away from them. That's, that's, a, that's folly, it's, dis- it's discouraging when that happens. You look at, if you want to know what kind of child you have, this is a true statement. What do you need to do? Look at their friends. Right? If, you're, if your ch- children's friends are deadbeats, then guess what? Your child's going to be a deadbeat. And that's the way it works. Birds of a feather do flock together. So we demonstrate the priority of purity by forsaking foolish, the foolish and unlearned questions. And I'm done here. Remember what, what got Eve in the garden was the foolish question. Uh, we're not to be bogged down in the foolish questions that cause strife and division in the body of Christ. And uh, sad to say, we, we have enough of those, and, and, and we're even targeted with some of those at times. So we're to forsake foolish questions that are designed to draw you into a fight. That's what he's telling Timothy. Hey, you know what? Stay away from those that gender strife. There are some people that just want to brawl. Don't do it. Don't do it. I've had recently had that happen. There's, uh, there's a person that likes to brawl verbally, right? And so I'm like, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm just going to love you. They hate it when I love them. Uh, they don't know how to respond to that. Because that's, you know what? That's really what they need. They need someone to love them, even when they want to brawl. I'm not going to brawl. I'm just going to love you. If you don't like that, then, well, this ain't the right place for you. And so, uh, purity of a vessel of honor. Here it is. We'll just re- rehash it. Before purity comes, you guys know the answer? You do know the answer because it's on your first point, A. Before purity comes, security. Security ensures diversity. You get options. Uh, being a pure vessel is our prerogative. We get to choose whether we're pure or we're filthy. And being a pure vessel of honor should be our priority. It's very simple. So if you decide, um, so you get to make the decision, I should say, rather. If you are secure in your salvation, which, uh, which vessel do you desire to be, right? So salvation is set, but what kind of vessel we are, well, that's up to us. If a man therefore purge himself, right, the decision is ours. Our Reformed friends hate that kind of thing, but it's true. Uh, which vessel do you want to use? And, of course, you want to use the pure vessel. Like if I pick up this bottle and open it up and I see dirt in it, I suddenly am no longer thirsty for the water that's in it. But I am thirsty right now, so I'm going to drink some of it. Anyway, you want to use a pure vessel and not a dirty vessel. All right? You guys good? That's the word. So next time we get together, we'll be talking about... um, the servant, and we'll be done with this particular section uh, regarding First Timothy. So, um, any questions, comments? Yes, Ron. So you were talking about the word the phrase holier than thou, and that is actually found one time in the Bible in Isaiah chapter sixty-five. I did not know that. Is it in a bad context? It's, 
in a bad context because, you know... Isaiah 65? Isaiah 65. I don't remember exactly what verse it is. Um, I was lazy. I didn't look it up. Sorry. No, that's no problem. Um, but I'll be Berean. You know, he, he talks about, you know, before they call, I will answer in and all of that in the first part of chapter 65. And then it's like a compare contrast in the second part of chapter 65. He's like, but they, you know, did all this. And and he basically says, the people that say that thou art holier than thou um, are the ones that aren't, you know, he implies that those are the ones that aren't. Oh, they're saying I'm holier than you are. Yeah. yeah, which stand by uh, thyself, come not near to me, for I am holier than thou. They're saying, like, like uh, don't touch me because I'm too clean. Right. These are are smoke in my nose, a fire that burneth all the day. So they, they don't, they, God's not, not down with that. Yeah, not. That's like the Pharisees. Yeah. Why did sepulchers? It's Isaiah 65, 5. Oh, so I was wrong about that. Okay, so... Anyway, so it's the beginning of that chapter. It's the beginning, yep. That's good, though. That's a good reference. Thank you for that. That's good. Anybody else? Um, what was the answer to number one, C1? Carefully. Build carefully. Be careful what you build on the foundation of Christ. What's that? Purge impurity. Purge impurity. Don't have my PowerPoint, do I? I actually have PowerPoints for all these, but we're not running them. So, okay. Thank you, guys. Water's good. Fire's good. Okay. Well, let's uh, prepare to pray. I, I'm sorry, our dear friend here. We, we'll have to get the child care going again. <laughs> so, uh, praise the Lord. Good to have guests. So let me turn this off.